0: Love, talk Radio.
1: Okay, it's time for Startup Office Hours. It's Scott Fox here to talk to you today about everybody's favorite startup topic, which is raising money online in the real world. Well, these days, it's mostly online, I guess. It's all Zoom. Good to see you, and we're going to talk today for half an hour or however long people want to ask questions. This is just office hours. It's an easy one. Um, Just taking questions and offering you the benefit of my advice of 20 plus years of experience as an internet entrepreneur, a startup founder, uh, today mostly an angel investor, and author of a bunch of books about startups and internet, uh, making money online, uh, which actually these are some of the books, there are many languages around the world, that's probably where a lot of you know me from, and we're going to be talking today about questions that have been sent in from the audience. So this is a live stream, and if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook or listening on Blog Talk Radio or anywhere else across the Internet, welcome. Um, I'm a serial Internet entrepreneur, and I do this show because I want to help people figure out how to participate in the Internet revolution. The uh, democratization of digital opportunity is staggering. Uh, Anyone these days who has the benefits of a high-speed Internet connection and a fair amount of education, at least, Um, can really get online and make things happen with greater impact and lower capital costs than any time in history. Now, of course, this isn't speaking to all the many people who are marginalized and left out of that revolution, but uh, I do this show largely because I think that those of us who have benefited from the advances of the Internet uh, have an obligation to try to give a hand up to those who haven't quite made it yet. That's why the uh, profits from my books are given to charity and, and why I do shows like this and why I run the Startup Council and do workshops like this uh, once a month. Uh, in, it used to be in person <laughs> here in Southern California, and now is mostly online. So if you haven't already, please join us for our Masterminds events. They are, uh, happen regularly, and I'll talk more about those a little later. But um, today we're going to talk about uh, the questions that you guys have sent in. And we have questions from uh, a bunch of folks um and i did it old-fashioned wise i printed them out here and we're going to try to go through them especially giving preference to those folks who are with me live online Uh, looks like anna and scout are both here at least so far and hopefully others of you are watching uh, youtube facebook and anywhere else across the interwebs Uh, if you want to chat um, there are tools uh, set up here that should allow you to to participate uh, in the chat room Um, whether you're watching uh, have a webcam and you've dialed in as one of our guests has, or if you are just visiting um, remotely, uh, like I said, through Facebook, it shows up. It looks like it's showing up nicely on Facebook. um, So you can watch the video live or chat there. I'm not seeing it on YouTube, although it should be Uh, the service we're using here should be broadcasting out to YouTube. So if anybody has any feedback about that, please do let me know. I'd be happy to, um, try to troubleshoot this and get this going even better for next time okay that's enough preamble there it is yeah there it is live on live on youtube as well Um, so if that's interesting to you uh, you can hop over there and thanks for watching okay so who am i why am i doing this well i have a long-term background as an internet entrepreneur like i said Um, i'm a serial founder and ceo of several startups uh, mostly small ones that you haven't heard of maybe some that you have I've worked as the uh, head of product and design for a Fortune 500 company establishing their digital division. Um, I have done head of business development and sales for many other startups, and I've talked and consulted for hundreds of startups over the last 20 years, uh, especially as part of the uh, work uh, as research and then um, the charitable efforts that evolved from my books that I mentioned, uh, the most recent of which was Click Millionaires. Today I live in Southern California, Uh, so this advice is coming to you based uh, well out of California, but based on my long-term experience in New York and Silicon Valley, uh, where I went to grad school at Stanford and uh, Los Angeles. And uh, enough about me, you can check my Wikipedia page if you want to know more about me. Uh, Quick note, I do have a law degree, but this is not legal advice. (laughs) And I'm also background as an investment banker. Uh, This is not financial advice either. You should consult with your own qualified uh, experts. Before you do anything important. <laughs> okay, but I'm trying my best to help uh, on a friendly basis because I think entrepreneurs are the most important people in the world. Frankly, the world's a mess and we need more optimists who get things done. And uh, that's why we're here together today. So no sales pitches today. Just uh, going to try to help people out. So, okay, let's see what we can do here. Uh, Guest wise. We've got, um, let's see. Uh, Anna was, looks like Anna was first. Anna, let me see if I can pull you. In. Anna, you want to turn on your camera. Uh, let's see, and I will see if I can uh, – there's Scout. Hey, Scout, hang on a second. Um, let's get the uh, – Anna, if you're there, I can see your camera. If you feeling shy today? Uh, let's see. Well, maybe we'll go with Scout. Scout, hold on. Let me let me look up your question here. Um, right. Hi there. Can you hear me okay, Scout? How's that? Yeah. yeah you sound perfect. I hope I'm okay.
0: I'm over I actually,
1: parked a lot of each right here. Oh, right. Very nice. That's a good place to be. California is excellent this time of year. Okay. So, your question looks like it was about um, apps and building confidence with tech investors. Okay, cool. You want to put it in your own words and, and we'll talk through it. Yeah, yeah.
0: We've well, actually uh, raised about 800K on building this app, but it's mostly through you know, friends, family, and uh, non professional investors. Um, but now we're we've got this thing built out. We've got pretty much every checkbox needed to, to uh, ready to scale. We've even ever proven uh, proof of concept. That's very promising. But uh, my uh, co-founder and I are kind of outsiders. Um, we uh, use uh, a a full dev team offshore. Have a proof concept, but uh, we don't have tremendous background in uh, in technology. So. Uh, we, we're trying to overcome that. Uh, so we've got good growth uh, rates. We've, uh, we've got all of our team lined up ready to, you know, as part-timers on board. We've got a full dev team. We've got uh, a business plan. We've got uh, all the risk-mitigated IP, everything. It's just that, um, yeah, we're not part of the inner circle of the tech team,
1: and I think that's the only thing holding will back. Interesting. Well, congrats first of all on the success. I mean, it sounds like you're. I mean, raising 800k. Would you apparently? Would you say you don't know anybody? It's pretty impressive. <laughs> well done. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, uh, we come from the uh, Harley Davidson world. <laughs> ah. Cool. So it's all bikers and things like that. But now huh. we have to transcend beyond the biker theme into uh, proper tech investment. Right. Right.
1: Well, that's a very cool story. Excellent. Um, okay, so is the app related to the, the biking world, the motorcycle world, is that the concept?
0: Uh, no, it's actually rather universal. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're aggregating uh, your digital footprint uh, and your analog footprint into one rapidly accessible timeline so you can find your past faster than anything else. And we take those memory cues and turn them into uh, remember lens questions so you can collaborate upon memories across Platforms: Instagram, memories aligned with Facebook, aligned with MySpace, uh, and works Apple, Android. So it's like the last place for your life story, and you can build upon those with uh, moments of gratitude and notes of lessons and things like that. Wow! Um, yeah, it, it works. It's just that uh, now we need to uh, go big time, and we're outsiders. And Okay. We need to talk to people.
1: Okay, great. Well, that's that's a great question. Thank you for bringing that. That's exactly the kind of question that people have from all over the world. I get that kind of thing all the time. But you've got a real live example. So um, there's lots of ways to attack this, and I'm sure you thought of a lot of them. So I apologize if I start too basic, but let, let's talk about the. Um, um, I'm trying to even figure out where to start. So. Obviously investments are, are a, um, and can you mute? Would you mind? It sounds like you're on the road or something. And, uh, yeah. I, there we go. So you're welcome to chime in if you want to unmute again. Um, uh, investing is a relationship based business at the early stages. So you found that out, right? So it, it is kind of a closed world, which is really not right. And that's honestly one of the reasons I do this, uh, these sort of podcasts and stuff. Um, the, the first question would be about traction. Uh, things have changed a lot in the last uh, 10 years or so. It used to be that you know just an idea could get people excited because the internet was young and there was so much potential and just an idea often could get you funding. That doesn't really happen anymore. So anybody that's listening that thinks that they're gonna raise money with just an idea, sorry, the world has changed. It's just, that's how it is, right? So, um, but in Scout's case, he's passed that, right? He's got an actual app and he's raised some money. So you're already past that, Scout. That was for everybody else, not you. Um, so what, what investors are really looking at is, um, is traction these days. Now, traction is basically a fancy word for, are you making any money already? So can you unmute for a second and just give me an update on your revenue status?
0: Pre-revenue. We've just uh, been going off of our, uh, our initial funds to build this and get that, that, that uh, viral coefficient to the numbers we need to be at. Okay. And so uh, we won't be revenue for another year.
1: Okay. But it sounds like you're, you're savvy enough to be looking at uh, – there's a reason for that because you're looking at a viral coefficient. Got it. Okay. So what what is – so a viral yeah. coefficient, folks, is – well, why don't you tell, tell them – it sounds like you've got this down. Why don't, go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, the way that we explain it to people is uh, how many users are referred to by another user. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the, uh, we did our homework on, uh, on the unicorns because the data was available over the average of five years. It's like a 1.8 coefficient, which the way that we explain it is uh, every month one person recruits point eight of another person right <laughs> right exactly and, then, uh, and we're at one.5 uh-huh. so that okay.
1: to be good enough for this rejection. Yeah yeah okay great. well that, that's fantastic and again congratulations on that because a lot of people make the big mistake and this is also for more of the um, the beginners in the audience don't spend a bunch of money building something unless you have some sort of viral coefficient or some sort of competitive advantage, or some sort of revenue, and ideally all three, right? So what Scout's been building is something that shows that it will spread itself cost effectively. And investors love that. So if you don't have any, if you don't have traction, meaning revenue these days, probably the next best thing is what Scout is doing here, is showing that if they spent some money to acquire a new customer, another customer would show up pretty soon, 0. 0.8 <laughs> every so often, right? So for every customer they have, this is, it's going to spread itself, and that's one thing that investors really do look for. They don't want to hear you saying, oh, thanks for your money. Now I'm going to go spend it to figure out how to make money, right? That, that, nobody wants to do that they, these days. What they want to hear is, oh, thanks for the check. You gave us a dollar. We're going to turn that into $1.8. Oh, cool. And then that $1.8 is going to lead to 2.6 and whatever the math is, right? And it goes viral. Unfortunately, we're all much more familiar with that concept these days because of the pandemic, but I bet the viral uh, discussions you have, people get that a lot faster than they did two years ago. Unfortunately, <laughs> crazy year it's been. Um, okay, so if you've got that, then that, that is a good argument. It really does sound, I apologize for going through all the backstory here, but it's interesting for other people to hear real stories, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, it sounds like you are exactly where you asked me about, which is how do you meet the right people? Because it sounds like you've got a story and just to review for the audience, he's got an app. Uh, it has a function that we all can kind of understand even with this brief uh, summary there. It's, it, it's summarizing and, and collecting uh, media and social media and photos and things like that, I'm guessing and, and creating, you know, kind of a keepsake. And that's a problem we all face, right? All this media that we collect, then you can't find it again if you're organizing it somehow. So that's a, that's a need. I get that. Um, and then you've got it showing that it's spreading because one of the first things that investors look for is CAC, uh, customer acquisition cost. How much does it cost you to acquire a customer, and then what do you get out of that customer? Ideally, you have an LTV, which is a lifetime value of a customer, meaning you know for each customer you get, you make X dollars. They don't have that yet, but they focus instead on figuring out that one customer will lead to 1.8 more customers. So that's kind of a, um, a big step on the road towards the cash calculations that investors are really looking for so all that preamble scout thanks for bearing with me so okay so it sounds like you need some introductions so i guess you are in los angeles is that right okay so la um well i'm happy to help it sounds like you've got something so first of all um let me think about the easiest way to do this Uh, i can't do it right now because i'm busy obviously but if you go to scottfox.com and this is true for anybody there's a contact form there and i'd be happy to have you send me some more details and I'll at least think, I can't make any promises, obviously, but I do know a few people. Um, have you talked to um, one of the most active groups uh, in the area? Is called Tech Coast Angels. Have you talked to them? Or, or tell me, who who have you talked to that, that wasn't just friends? I, I mean, prof- professional money. Uh, I, uh, uh,
0: we're just kind of easing into this. we don't really know where to go from
1: here. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, fine. Okay, well, then I can think of a half dozen different places to point you. You know, there's no promising what people's interest level is going to be, um, but uh, you've got a little money. So you'd be looking for a a decent sized round. Yeah. Any thoughts on valuation yet or how, how big is your team? Any other things you can share with me?
0: Uh, yeah, actually, we've been uh, raising funds against the ten million dollar valuation uh, okay. successfully. It hasn't really been that hard to raise uh, at the emotional level, but now we got to show the breath. Yeah, uh, which are they're, they're good now. Uh, but the, uh, the the team is we got three co-founders and we've got uh, a handful of developers short side, and then a dozen developers offshore.
1: Okay. Okay. Great. Um, okay. Well, so. Um, as I said, I, I can try to think of some places to go. Especially if you can send me a deck or some, you know, executive summary that gives me a little more specifics. I got to tell you honestly, the $10 million valuation is not going to fly when you have no revenue. That's that's you said it exactly right. You're a sharp guy. That works emotionally, yeah. right? But with the professionals, no way that's going to fly. But
0: it's, yeah, we've got about $5 million worth of promotional reach with some partnerships, so including celebrities.
1: Uh huh. Okay, good, good. All right, well, you certainly sound like you've thought this through, which is great, so ha- happy to help, um, and we can uh, take it offline and do some more um, correspondence about that. Uh, and in general, um, I would put in a plug for Tech Coast Angels, just to anybody that's listening. Uh, it's the largest angel group in North America, um, maybe the largest in the world, I don't know, but I'm, I'm a member of that. Um, And we invest in companies like Scouts all the time. Um, And um, I can think of several other groups that would be perhaps interested in this as well. So uh, it is a question of access, unfortunately. Um, The the other trick is, if you didn't have me, um, just since we're talking about it, uh, is really to look at um, where I thought this was going to go, just to, to out the thought process. I thought when Scott said that they're mostly Harley Davidson folks, I thought there'd be a motorcycle angle to it, right? So then you go to people in that industry, uh, sorry, not that, in that subculture, and not just the friends, but find the ones who are wealthy, obviously, right? <laughs> or, or maybe be in finance or are venture capitalists. And that's the interesting thing about a, a subculture or interest is often there are people where those overlap. You know, there are certainly going to be uh, VCs who also ride motorcycles, right? But you've probably already thought of that. But that's where I would start. And then there's the other obvious ways of uh, school alumni networks uh, and then just your geography. Are you, you live in a place where there are um, you know active uh, financial institutions or uh, funds that invest in early stage companies? So it, it's really a networking game. And that's what I often say to, to early stage founders is. Um, unfortunately you got to think as much about as much as you love the product and whatever it is you're building the solution that you're bringing to the world the fundraising is is pretty much a full-time job as well and that networking strength if you're not wired that way um, you should probably find a partner or somebody who can do that because uh, you anybody that's listening to this has probably read my books or read other things you know you can knock on a hundred doors and get a hundred no's but it might be the 101st knock that makes a difference. And it really is. It's a crazy, stupid system. It's very inefficient. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk later in the show or another show about some of the new platforms that are emerging uh, to help uh, rectify that, because uh, a lot of us realize that. But today it's still stuck in this kind of like, you got to know somebody thing. Um, uh, and, and it's largely because people like me or or, and I'm not, the biggest fish in the pond by any means, but people just get deluged, right? We just get so many emails and it really helps a lot if somebody comes with a recommendation. So hopefully I can do that uh, for Scout and for the, any of the rest of you who have credible uh, early stage stuff. Cool. Well, nice to meet you, Scout. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, hope to see you again. And um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. So let's move on to my friend uh, Anna here. Anna, good to see you. Nice to see you. Uh, how are you? I think, are you muted? Can't hear you. Hello. Oh, there you go. Oh, you sound better than I do. Oh, yeah, I'm complaining. You sound better than I do. All right. Well, nice to see you again. Um, Thank you. I, I question. Oh, okay, I do have it, actually, yeah. I'm, I'm prepared. Let's see. Anna comes to the Masterminds meetings. Actually, I should talk about that for a second. So Masterminds is an organization that I run that started in Orange County, California, where I live now um, and they um, we meet once a month and it used to be in person it was a lot of fun uh, and now it's on zoom and it's it's still a lot of fun I think um, and uh, we get together 30 40 50 uh, early stage founders entrepreneurs from all over the world once a month and it's just like this but instead of me doing the talking uh, we all talk to each other it's more of a peer coaching thing and it's a lot of fun and there's some networking um, I, I guess you like it Anna you've been a few times now right yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, Good. All right. So, let me see. All right. Here's your question. Right. So, you were saying, you were asking about um, uh, gaining and converting traffic to membership platforms. Are ads the only way? I'm impatient. (laughs) Right. So, you want to tell us a little more about that?
2: Yeah. So, I'm building a membership, private membership community that connects um, coaches and mentors to prime clients within like an educational platform. So, um, our audience would be like new female entrepreneurs by hustlers who are also, you know, purpose-driven and looking at looking to find their true calling. So the membership provides them a intimate forum. So it's like a chat community along with workshops hosted by the coaches who can then pick up our clients from our pool. Um, so actually I did learn this word viral coefficient now. That's something that we are looking to do that's extremely relevant yeah. um, and maybe that's, a form somewhere where we can get traffic from within because we're launching like right now, so we're throwing a launch party to get the word going. Mm-hmm. But uh, my question is, do I need to start running paid traffic because right now we are building our business concept?
1: Right, so. right, right. Yeah. Well, it's a tough one. A two-sided marketplace by definition requires both sides, right? And you need a critical mass on each side so that people can find each other and and feel like their time is being used well.
2: I'm seeing the coaches, usually coaches, experts, CPAs, mentors. There's an abundance of them.
1: Right, right. Okay, good. Yeah, that helps, right? So that's the question with something like this, is there's lots of supply. How do you get the demand? And this is true for any marketplace or or any shop, really. Um, And that's been the big change with the Internet. It used to be that, like, having a a store on the corner was great because everybody drove by each day and they kind of had to encounter your brand. But on the Internet, there's a zillion corner stores right and, and you can get lost so finding those people to attract them is tough okay so um so are is ads the only way no uh definitely not um the ads ads are the way these days and i i think about it like this uh, and i should say i've built several membership platforms and i have spent i don't want to say zero but close i think it's zero honestly but i, I don't, I've, I've not used ads Uh, Traditionally, but I haven't done that lately And the world is a lot harder and these days Facebook and the other social media They put up all these gates in terms of advertising. Um, So it is it is harder than it used to be Um, But I don't think ads are the only way but ads are a shortcut So before we move off of ads, let me just suggest that if you're in scouts position um, Or anybody's position that they're trying to raise money One of the things that investors are going to look for immediately like I talked about is traction which is revenue so if you don't have any revenue Um, Then a good backup is like what Scout was doing is some sort of viral coefficient showing, you know If we attract two people, they're going to bring in two more and showing that it will grow like that kind of thing But even to do that you need to attract those first few people, right? So that is a good use of some money Um, So you may not have a hundred thousand dollars to spend on ads, but it will give you some actual metrics You can buy performance. You can buy a few visitors for ten bucks or fifty bucks And run a few tests and then tweak your sign-up process, tweak your welcome video, tweak your autoresponders, whatever it is, tweak the copy in the ads, right? And play with that a little on a limited basis. And ads are a great way to do that. So I'll still gonna, I hear your question. I'll still talk about like what you can do other than ads, but I wouldn't skip over ads completely because using them to test is fabulous. The market research you can get out of spending $100 on Facebook just to see who shows up and what they like and don't like is really, really valuable. And ideally... You can modify your product and adjust your onboarding process, or you can actually find out it's perfect, right, and then develop the kind of metrics that, that, um, that Scout has done to show, so that you can say to an investor, I don't have any money yet, but look, we spent $100, and we created, you know, we saw this result, which effectively means if you give me a million dollars, in three years, I can give you $2 million back, right? <laughs> so that's the, the sort of game you want to be playing. Yeah, right? Sounds good. Okay, so let's talk about not ads. So the not ads thing is, is social and viral. It's much more like, um, I used to be in the music business a long time ago, and um, we, we would try to break a record back when they called them records. <laughs> the idea was you would go out and meet people, right, and, or like a new club. And the way I have had success um, promoting membership platforms is thinking of it not like a product, but more like a party, and this can be useful, um, I call it an onion strategy, um, because you, you have a core group of people, like the cool kids, that you want to invite. And these are people you probably already know. But then you develop several lists which are increasingly wider away from you. Um, and start with ones that are kind of the easy gets, right, whoever that is. And I know these are customers, so there may not be any easy ones, but there's some easier than others. Um And then say there's, you know, 25 people on that list. And then the next layer of the onion is 50 or 100 people that are slightly, you're slightly, you know them less personally. And then 100 or 300 past that. And try to develop a rollout strategy. What you don't want to do, and this is, you you scared me a little because you might already be in process of doing it, is launch a membership platform with a big bang. Unless you've got a million dollars to put behind it because people are tempted to do that because it's kind of like um, a movie premiere back when we could go to movies anyway, right? It would all be like, you know, coming on the 30th, the new Star Wars movie, boom, boom, boom. everybody go on Friday night, boom, and blow the box office up. That doesn't work for membership platforms unless you've got a, as much money as Star Wars does because you, you need people to come in and build relationships or the, the platform will, will falter, right? What you need instead is a few people that are interested who develop that viral coefficient to tell more people. So back to the onion thing, if you've got 10 people you really like, and you can bribe them, right? This doesn't have to be, you know, pay me a, a million dollars to come join. Like it can be free for 90 days or, you know, half off, or you, know, you can play with different offers, right? But the idea is to get some some people in and get them engaged enough, hopefully, that they tell others and they tell others. And, but you start with the easy ones and gradually expand, and you market each of those groups separately with two things. One is a sense of exclusivity which is like, you're special, you're being invited, this is you know, private beta, and only you're coming because you're my cousin, you know, and I love you, and you'd love this, so it's exclusive, and nobody else can see it, and people like that, right? We all like that, like, ooh, I'm special, right? And it's free, right? You just, all you say is, all that really means is you didn't spend money on ads, right? It's actually really an arbitrage. You say, hey, it's exclusive for you, come come in, uh, you know, you're invited to the special party. And then the second thing is, you give them an incentive that they can also share with someone else. And this is the original concept of viral marketing that Seth Godin pioneered 20-some years ago, which is back before virus meant all the things it terribly means today in terms of coronavirus. It's about spreading things by sneezing. And in his book about viral marketing, he literally talks about people are sneezers. And you want to find the people who are sneezers who then you know, sneeze in their hand and shake hands. It's kind of a gross concept, especially these days. But the idea is that they will spread it and you incentivize them to do that. This might be my own spin on it. I forget how far his, his example goes. But you have people who are going to um, engage because you've invited them to a special party, and then you give them something to share that makes them, here's the key, makes them look cool to their friends. So you say, okay, you have a, here's a special invite for you, maybe a discount or a free T-shirt or whatever it is, um, but here's one that you can give to a friend also of whatever it is. And that way they are incentivized, or maybe they get three of them, whatever it is, right? But that kind of leak it out strategy so that people who actually are in this space and want it and need it can be done essentially, it's not free because it takes a lot of time, but it doesn't require the cash cost of advertising that you were concerned about. And I've seen that work a number of times. And that way you get a core group in, they're excited, they're excited to share it. And then they go out, you know, you can run contests like, you know, for every Instagram post you put up, you get entered in a, uh, you know, a drawing for an iPad or, you know, whatever, you, whatever you can come up with, but you find ways to do things with small amounts of money to create incentives um, or ad tests um, and things like that, that will attract the right crowd and hopefully get them to recruit their friends. Ooh, that was, that was kind of a lecture. Sorry. Um,
2: perfect. Sorry um, about that. So in everything. <laughs> it? I don't think we're hundred percent off-base, and it does resonate because I did. I do have a past life
1: as a club promoter. Oh, perfect. Okay.
2: <laughs> I didn't really like then put the overlap between until now. So i was like, yeah. all right, yeah, Let's yeah. Bring that in here. Totally. Yeah.
1: No, you totally get what I'm saying. Then, right? It's uh, like that.
2: I was. I did have to stop though because of the big bang mm-hmm. trying to roll it out to the strangers. Mm-hmm. That was something that we were like on the cusp of. So maybe that would dilute the. The pool inside yeah. our community,
1: yeah. so I'm going to be alert to that one. Yeah, yeah. Just be careful. I mean, you, you know your business. I I don't know your business, right? And you know your audience. So if that works for you, fine. Uh, yeah. Great. Maybe you don't
2: know. Town or people uncomfortable on the other side of the wall.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's exactly. If you know nightclubs, that's exactly what it is, right? You promote and bring all your friends to the club, and there's nobody there, and it turns out drinks are 50 bucks yeah. a piece. You know, like oh, right. And then you burn all your friends.
2: Uh, the boy girl ratio. Right. There you go. Is not enough yeah, yeah.
1: Like yeah, country. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what that that's how I see mm-hmm. membership communities anyway. Yes. And it, the boy girl ratio, exactly. It's the buyers and sellers in this case. It's not a gender thing. It's a it's the supply and demand, right? Um, yeah, so you got it totally. So again, I'm
2: going to segment my list too. I'm going to start segmenting kind of like on the cool
1: kids, the clothes, the onions. Right, right. Right. There you go. Thank you. And you're welcome. I need to write that down someday. <laughs> Maybe I'll go in my next book. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I hope that was helpful. I'm glad to hear you're making progress still. That's, that's a
2: Perfect. Thank good.
1: you stuff. So yeah. All right. Good to see you, and uh, see you again at the next Mastermind, I hope. Cool. All right. Well, thank you to Anna for joining us. Uh, good to see her. So if you have a question, um, we have a chat. There's a chat thing going on Facebook and YouTube and I haven't checked there lately. It's supposed to feed over to where I am, but let me just see if anybody's over there. Pardon me, one second, and see if make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, okay, looks like we're looks like we're clear. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm going to do a couple more questions here. Uh, sorry, wrong page there. Okay, so we have a couple other questions I was going to send in from people that. Um, that registered in advance. Hold on, sorry, got it, okay. All right, okay. Cool, I'm just typing into this chat room to make sure it's working. And if anybody wants to reply over there on YouTube, please go ahead. Okay, so we have a couple other questions from um, various folks who wrote in who couldn't make the Um, uh, well, thanks scout. You're welcome. Scout is thanking me in the chat. (laughs) Um, okay. So we're going to do a couple others that people wrote in. I said that three times apologies for that, but I will get to those in a couple minutes here. Um, the other thing is if you are in the audience and you'd like to come on camera, uh, please do. Uh, it's a lot easier to do it when we talk to each other than I just uh, talk to myself uh, to an email. Right. Um, so let's try uh, Lawrence's question here. Lawrence wrote in, uh, and Lawrence, if you're out there, tune in uh, or turn on your camera, and we'll uh, do this face-to-face. But, uh, oh, sorry, somebody else just emailed in another one. What's this one? Okay. Oh, yeah, there's a, that's a good one, Clayton. All right. Let me see what we can do about that as well. Uh, oh, and there's another one. Okay, now you guys are all going to, once I go on the air, you're going <laughs> to, if you do this in advance, will be a lot easier. Um Okay. Let me just see what that says. Okay. Okay. Sorry for the delay. Okay. So Lawrence asked, what's the exit strategy, uh, typical exit process for a company with about a million dollars in revenue a year? Okay. Typical exit strategy for a $1 million revenue company. Okay. So Lawrence, this is a perfect example of where I'd love to have you on because I can hardly answer that without knowing a bit more like what industry, what sort of profit margin you have, um, you know is there any investor money in the company already how many partners are there um, things like that so um, yeah I mean that there's a whole book in there I guess uh, a short answer would be oh, you know I should say one way to get this stuff answered guys is if you're not here live is behind me you can see this masterminds uh, founders form. this is a forum that I've run online since 2008 or 9 uh, when my second book came out, uh, it's a private text-based forum, and I'm in there all the time, and I will answer questions there if you'd like. Um, that one does cost a little bit of money uh, each month just to pay for the overhead, right? Um, but you can come in there, and, I, and there's, you can get a, a 30-day free trial or 90-day. There's all kinds of offers around the web if you look around, too. Um, but I can explain all this stuff in more detail if you'd like. That's mastermindsforum.org. Okay, so Lawrence. So a quick answer to exit strategy, typical for a million-dollar revenue company, um, a million dollars in revenue is a lot if you own it by yourself. That's why I asked about partners. Uh, if it's not and it's split between three or fifty people, it's not very much. Um, so you, your buyers um, would either, you know, if it was if it was a billion dollars, you'd go public, which means selling shares of the company to everyone who wants to buy one in the public. Um, But for a million dollar company, that's more likely a merger or an acquisition, probably with another company in the same industry who's larger, or maybe a private equity firm would want to buy the company uh, in order to um, fix it up or merge it themselves. Uh, In both cases, I'd need need to know a lot more about Uh, the size of the company the industry revenues and so forth so sorry I can't be more specific but if you want to try again uh, next month oh by the way we're gonna do this every Tuesday uh, sorry first Tuesday of every month is the idea Uh, happy to help I just that's to be answerable okay Wyatt Wyatt asks what are the best ways to raise capital when you have none of your own to invest well you do have great training and expertise in several key areas okay best ways to raise capital When you have none of your own to invest. Okay, so let's take that first point. So this is something that really bothers me. I see this all the time in investment meetings, and it's one of the reasons I do this show and I write my books. Investors are wealthy people by definition, right? Uh, They have money to invest. The problem is a lot of them have had money for so long or even born with it that they, honestly, they discriminate against people who don't have those kinds of connections and don't have that kind of capital. So I've seen it dozens of times when investors, someone will make a good pitch and they will talk about their company. And one of the questions, which is a legitimate question, is how much of money of your own have you put into the company? And the person will say zero or like $1,000 or something small, right? And then they'll say, well, how about your friends and family? And they'll say, well, I don't really have friends and family that have capital to put in there. Or or they'll say, I raised $20,000, which to an investor is not very much, right? And then when the person is, leaves the room or hangs up the phone, the investors all say, well, this person doesn't need, why don't they haven't put any of their money in the company? You know, why haven't they raised money from their friends and family? Why should we believe them that this is good if their own friends and family won't invest? Well, the fact is a lot of people don't have any damn money. <laughs> that's the problem, right? I mean, that's why we're doing this. So I, I really feel for you, Wyatt, if, if you are there. That's how I used to be. I didn't have any money. I didn't know anybody. I didn't – I had a lot of other advantages, but I did not have either of those. And discriminating against people who don't have any money, well, anyway, it, just, it bugs me. So, okay, so I don't, I don't fault you for not having money of your own to invest. So what do you do to make up for that? Well, you have two other things that you mentioned. You have great training and expertise, and you have them in several key areas. So right on, man, that's, that's a great, obviously a big step forward. Um, several key areas and great expertise. That's where it starts. So the next is doing some of the other things we just talked about, which is demonstrating activity in this company, right? What is it doing, a clear pitch, what it does, um, and how it will make money, even if it hasn't yet. Um, And again, we're we're back to the same themes. What's a customer acquisition cost? What's your typical customer look like? And then what do they end up paying you? Or, and or a viral coefficient that shows that if you had 50 customers, that would lead to this many more customers, which eventually leads to revenue. Those sort of equations. If you have a little money, presumably you're employed uh, at some level. Uh, you're writing me from Beverly Hills and uh, you have uh, training and expertise in several key areas. So presumably you've got a couple of nickels to rub together, even if you uh, haven't been able to put money in uh, on a large scale. Um, use some of that to do what I was talking about with Anna a few minutes ago. Run some tests. Uh, buy some ads and show, look, I spent $100, and it created $200. And, and if I had $100,000, I think I could create $200,000. And if I had a million, I think could create $2 million. Like those kind of equations are what you need to demonstrate because the fact is investors, uh, they don't care about your idea as much as they care about the dollars and cents. I mean, that's their job, right? Especially for venture capitalists, it's their job. It's not even their own money. They're investing other people's money, so they have to be really specific about the return that they expect to get. So you have to model this stuff out and make it easy for them. Uh, And demonstrating those kind of formulas and equations, you know, $1 in equals $3 out over two years, those kind of spreadsheets and models are really important for this kind of stuff. Um, So um, demonstrating those things will then help you raise capital because investors, it all comes down to the math, right? They want to see the arithmetic. And um, that's where I would start, Wyatt. Uh, I, hope, I hope that's helpful. Uh, and if not, like I said, come to the next Masterminds. Uh, I've said that a couple times now. The next one is, let me check my calendar. Uh, it's the 18th, I think. Hold on a second here. I'll, I, will, let me, I was supposed to write. Oh, actually, I think I put it. I didn't write it down. Hold on. This is worth talking about because you guys can come. Um, they're usually on a uh, Wednesday or Thursday night at 5 o'clock Pacific time. Um, and uh, they last about two hours, and we take a bunch of questions, and the whole group discusses them, so you don't just get me mouthing off. You get the, the wisdom of the crowds, and uh, we also do pitch practice, so you can practice your investor pitch in front of a friendly group, including experts like me from you know, Silicon Valley and stuff, um, and uh, we also do some networking. It's a lot of fun. So the next one is, yeah, it's Thursday the 18th of February, and be happy to see you there. You can find tickets at uh, Masterminds. Um, mastermindsoc.org mastermindsoc.org is where the tickets are Uh, or you can find us on meetup or uh, a lot of other places online Uh, so come and pursue that okay a couple more questions here these are good questions guys Um, thanks to Christine Christine from Florida wrote in said no questions right now just interested so nice to have you Christine (laughs) nice to meet you Um, and we'll get back to a couple more questions here Uh, Ty and Matt uh, both have questions about development. Okay, uh, technical development, that is. So not so much fundraising. That's fine. Uh, we do that here as well. Um, let me see, which of these should we do first? And if anybody has any other questions, uh, send those in pronto or we'll be wrapping up. Uh, are we have 40 minutes already? guy. I got to talk faster. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so this will be probably the two for the day. So Matt asks, um, where, uh, Matt from Calgary Uh, Alberta, Canada, do the benefits outweigh the negatives when it comes to offshoring development as a method of saving on initial startup costs? So is it better to offshore to save money or keep things onshore to save costs? Um, Well, Matt, you've set up the the dichotomy there exactly right. Uh, Those are the the questions and the problems. Um, The... um, uh, the trick is you need to save money as a startup and you can do that by offshoring but then you have development difficulties in terms of um, working with people in other time zones usually and uh, communication gaps and maybe they're not all they said they were because you didn't you you know grow up with these people you didn't know them like you might have known the developers that you hired who you went to high school with in your local town Um, those are all real issues Uh, i don't there's not a clear answer one way or the other Um, especially if you're dealing with high tech. Um, This came up in a a recent uh, pitch uh, competition I was judging actually. And I think it's a valid question uh, depending on the level of technology that you are talking about. So if you're talking about something small, then I think it's fine to offshore if it's not particularly uh, protectable, valuable intellectual property. For example, um, I offshore things like, um, uh, development of uh, an ebook right or uh, which is what I've got the content but they're going to package it for me or create the cover for it you know that kind of thing it's fine it's clearly my book um, you know that kind of thing um, and uh, that has a low risk of being pirated if you're going to do something a little more up the scale like an app you know, is it an app that specifically and applies in a certain niche subculture, like maybe Scouts thing with Harley-Davidson riders, right? Or, you know, you're a, a soccer player or something. It's unique to that subculture. So that even if it turned out that you couldn't trust the offshore development agency, that they're unlikely to be able to use it and commercialize it, because the key of it is they have to know the world of motorcycles in order to take advantage of it, that also pretty low risk. Where it starts to be risky, of course, is if you're offshoring something that's real tech, like you've got algorithms or artificial intelligence, um, you know, tools um, and software, or even processes, I guess, that are replicatable that could be essentially stolen. Now, of course, any offshore development agency is going to have credible documents. You're supposed to sign all this stuff. It says they won't misbehave, Um, but you never really know. And the fact is that you're never going to sue anybody. You're not going to go and fly to India and sue somebody in in Mumbai, right? Or in uh, in the Ukraine. That's just not practically um, financially realistic, right? So you have to have some level of trust with these offshore agencies. So um, I guess the summary is sometimes it makes sense. The lower tech things you're talking about, the more it does. And there's also absolutely an issue of saving money while you're small uh, and then maybe uh, onshoring later. A good in-between, and here is a punchline for you, uh, uh, is uh, um, to find an agency that you can manage here that they then offshore for you, right? Right. So there are um, a number of those. I can think of a couple off the top of my head. If anybody wants to email me at scottfox.com, um, I can give you some names. Actually, Scout just chimed in, in the chat here. Uh, he has a recommendation. Scout, please send that to me when you send me your, uh, your investment deck stuff because um, we're always looking for good in between. So there are people that are here that specialize in being in your time zone, um, speaking fluent English, hopefully you can develop a relationship with, The cost is going to be a little higher because they're middlemen, obviously, but then they outsource the back offices, you know, in the Philippines or Belarus or or China or wherever, wherever it is. Right. So that's a good in between that might help you split the difference, Matt. All right. So our last question for the evening. Um, Let's see here. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a whole bunch of questions. I was on the wrong tab, you guys. I'm new to this system. My apologies. Tyler, you are there. Okay, Tyler. Good. We were just going to do your question, Tyler. Awesome. Okay, and then uh, let's see, uh, see what is the minimum return? Okay. All right. Oh, here's another one. Okay. Hold on, guys. All right. So I guess okay. I'm gonna to try to cram in three or four of these in the next few minutes. Tyler, excellent. So if anybody wants to come on camera, I'll tell you what. I'll give you Tyler. If you're there, if you want to turn on your camera and talk about this, I'll give you a free tickets to the next mastermind's uh, meeting. How's that? Bribery. Um, anyway, it makes it more interesting for people to watch, right? Okay. So Tyler's question was. Um, um, I live in Washington, D.C., cannot seem to find any strong developers. I really want to motivate a motivated developer to be partners with me. This is coming in through the YouTube chat. Um, and as you sent it in earlier, Tyler, you phrased it Do you have any advice on where or how to find a developer to partner with to create an app? Okay, same idea there. So, um, finding partners is probably the biggest challenge of early stage founders, partners of any kind. Um, it's really hard to find reliable people. That's just life, right? I mean, it's really like dating and getting married. You hopefully find a good one, you know, but a lot of people don't. Um, and it takes a lot of work. So uh, first of all, don't feel bad if you've had trouble finding a partner, the media makes it sound easy, just like they make it sound easy to raise venture capital, right? Everybody wants a quick fix. Raising money is not easy. Finding a partner is not easy, but given that, um, a good way to find an app developer, honestly, the only way, if you're an, a non-technical person, here are the way, the lanes that I have found to have success. The first is to uh, look in your own network. Go on LinkedIn. Go to your, uh, wherever you went to college or um, you know, affiliate groups that you belong to and just put the word out that you're looking, and you're going to have to kiss a lot of frogs before you meet a prince or a princess. Um, the other is to um, go on to um, different meetup groups where people like that congregate and mingle. Same thing. It's like you're it's you're you're dating really, right? a, a faster way can be to go on Upwork, which is a, a gig platform. If you haven't seen that, Upwork.com and they have it's a marketplace for contractors from all over the world. And they've got like a hundred thousand developers just waiting for you to pay them, right? So um I would uh this has worked for me multiple times. Um put out a very minimal project and don't just publish it because you'll get deluged but come up with a basic real simple project that's kind of like a test honestly. And then you do your research. Don't just post it publicly, but go do the research on Upwork.com. And there's a bunch of filters you can use. Find developers that only have, you know, that do apps, a specialist in this language, and they the cost with this, this range. They're fluent in English. They've built at least 1,000 hours before or not. Or, you know, there's all these parameters. And you can get a list of, you know, 100 people and then look at them and pick five or eight of them and invite them privately to see this job you've offered and maybe that way you can get somebody who's, you know, much more targeted and find somebody to work with. Um, I wish I had a better answer for you. Uh, There are services out there. There's um, Co-Founders Institute or something like that. Uh, You might try that, but they seem more of a kind of coaching platform than actually a matching service. Uh, There's not a good answer. Uh, Honestly, it's a startup idea. If anybody has a good idea of a better way to match founders, uh, I think a lot of people would love to hear about it. Okay, Uh, Jordan, Jordan Carlson. Hey, man, good to see you. Um, There's also an app called Shaper where you can connect with possible technical co founders Thank you, Jordan. And he's spelling that S-H-A-P-R, S-H-A-P-R, Shaper. Uh, Excellent, Jordan, thank you. And Jordan's a fairly technical guy, so I would trust his recommendation. Good to see you, Jordan. Um, All right, and then I think our last question today is, um, Oh, sorry, we got two. Uh, Joel wrote in from Chantilly. Um, in Virginia, but uh, C. Gillespie, hold on here. Let me find that one. It was just here a moment ago. No, that's the same one. Clayton, Clayton Gillespie from Vienna. I guess that's also Virginia. Okay, heavy on D.C. today. Hi, guys. Can you explain what sort of investment return on exit and timetable for exit would be the minimum that a VC might consider a win? Okay, this is a really good question. Um, What does a VC consider a win? Um, Yeah, let me think. Um, So, okay, so sorry, I just had to collect my thoughts. So this is one of the big problems for early stage founders is they don't understand the economics of how venture capital firms work. I won't go into it at length because it's a book in and of itself. But one of the reasons you're getting blown off by investors everyone, I'm not picking on Clayton here because I don't even know what he's working on, but, um, but in general, is that your ideas are too small. Unless a company can credibly make like a billion dollars, the economics of how venture capital firms work out don't make it worth the time of venture capital partners to invest. It may sound like a lot to you to have a company that makes $25 million, but it's not enough for a big VC fund. The quick reasons for that are that VC firms tend, each fund has a eight to 10 year life. There are a bunch of partners that split the profits. Um, They are always looking at other deals, which may be larger. Um, They have to manage how much they get of each company because they will be diluted in future rounds. Um, So they're looking at your future funding needs as well. And there's all kinds of factors that go into this, which basically mean if a and VCs make good money, right? These are people with good, important, uh, strong, mathematical, analytical skills. They could be making, you know, serious six figures, if not seven figures, working for a bank. So they're not going to do this and only want to make, you know, 50 grand on a deal, right? every deal they bring in has to make serious money to pay everybody that's involved, right? So um, one of the big answers to Clayton's question is the minimum return on investment, whatever you're thinking times it by 10, right? Uh, A VC doesn't consider anything to be a win unless they like personally are going to make like a million dollars off it. I mean, seriously, that's how this works. I mean, I'm not being specifically literal, but that's how they look at this, right? They're sitting on a pool of capital, millions, maybe hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars. And they're writing big checks because they need to get a return on that investment. So, you know, you may look at them as a firm and the fund like, wow, they've got $100 million. But the individual that's writing that check, he's got to, he or she's got to go to the partners meeting and present this deal and say, this is better than every other deal you guys are seeing this week. And we need a yes on this from the partnership because if we put in a million, we're going to get like $50 million just for our share, right? Not the whole company, but just our share. That's how you get things voted uh, to invest in, right? That's how the partners are going to go, yeah, cool, let's invest in that one. So those kind of numbers are exciting, especially if you are from a non-financial background. And I used to be this way myself. Like I said, I I grew up without much money. I didn't know, I never took accounting. I didn't know any of this stuff. Um, It's all self-taught, basically. Um, It sounds like a lot of money to you. I know a million dollars sounds like a lot, or 50 or 100 million dollars sounds like stratospheric. But unless it literally translates back to like a million dollars per partner, then it's not a win. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. So um, two thoughts before I move on. I know that was kind of general, Tyler, but again, I, this is a quick show, but you could come join us in the masterminds forum. If you'd like to pursue this further, um, there's a woman named Elizabeth Yin, Y I N from the hustle fund. And she has a great video of, that explains this kind of stuff that I saw recently Uh, And it breaks down kind of the math for how a VC fund actually returns the money back to its limited partners and to the staff. And you'd probably find that instructive. Um, And then the other thought, I forget what my other thought was, but that was hopefully that was a good one. We keep moving here. Um, But just be aggressive. I guess uh, that would be my takeaway. You know, if your target market is this big, figure out how you can make it this big. The bigger the market is, the more likely that that funnel is going to lead to more revenues for you. Um, and uh, the idea of aiming high is really what people are looking for. Um, oh, that was my other thought, is that um, this is a very different answer if you're talking, you said about um, a venture capital firm. That was the question. It's a very different answer if you're talking about angels or if you're talking about family. So angels um, have different kinds of careers. They are often retired and have some money, and they don't have a bunch of partners they're sharing with. So they more often invest based on interest in the idea and maybe a relationship with the founder. And they might be happy with a 3X or a 10X because they're doing a bunch of small deals, maybe 20 grand or 50 grand at a time. In a 10X on 50 is 500 grand. Hey, that's cool. I can play more golf, right? It's not the job of a VC associate or principal at a firm where she's part of a hundred million dollar fund. The economics are very different and the economics are even more different for your aunt Frida or your uncle Bob who might, you know, do you a solid and send you 50 grand uh, if you're lucky enough to have relatives like that. Uh, And they'd be happy just to get their money back because they love you. (laughs) Right? So those are different equations every time. And you really need to think about who you're talking to. Okay. Last one here today, and thank you all for sticking with me. By the way, you know, I'm doing this for free, and I'm happy to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. I've been on and off for years now. I'm going to try to do it the first Tuesday of every month, so tell your friends. And I'd really appreciate your help if you like this. I'm, I don't have the time to do the marketing for it, but we can help more people. This is a mission-driven project. I can really use your help. If you like this, please share it. Um, you see it on YouTube, like it, comment, you know, Take a screenshot right now and put it on Instagram. Uh, link up to me on LinkedIn. And when you see, um, you know, us post something, please like it and share it. You know, those algorithms drive everything. And I would appreciate your help sharing this. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast version, go on iTunes, leave a review. We'd love your help. Uh, trying to help more people. And I would appreciate your help and appreciate your being here. Um, okay, so last question here. Joel from Chantilly, Virginia love to hear your thoughts on equity split among early members Uh, this is a tough one we're in the building stage of a web app how do you weigh things like business idea finding early customers developing the web app ui ux etc uh secondly i've got two questions here joel slipping in a second one what do you think about llcs um let me just read this for a second yes okay so the second one's easy joel uh he's asking about an llc but he'd like to consider raising outside money. He understands that investors usually only consider companies that are incorporated in Delaware. Yes, C Corp in Delaware, end of story, okay? There's no reason not to do that. You can do an LLC if you have a reason for that, like you want uh, you pass through uh, tax treatment or something like that because you have revenues. You can convert an LLC later. So it's not either or, it's when, but a C Corp um, in Delaware is the standard now. And um, it's funny, just last week, uh, two weeks ago, we had a three-hour uh, startup legal and financing boot camp where a friend of mine who's a startup attorney uh, talked about this, and this was one of his main points. Stop dicking around. It's a C-Corp in Delaware. And the reason for that is that's what everybody knows, and it makes it easier and cheaper for everybody. So C-Corp in Delaware, Joel. Okay. Um, now, the equity split is a different one. That's a little more complicated. Building stages for a web app. Um The fact is you need to sit down with your partners and you all have to talk. It's a marriage, right? This is like a prenuptial agreement. You've got to figure out who's doing what and the piece that, you know, and what you think it's worth because people disagree, right? I think, you know, I do this and to me that's the most valuable thing in the world. You couldn't do this without me, but you think the same thing about what you do. Everybody does, right? So you've got to, there's no way to do it except to sit down and argue through it. Hopefully not argue, but discuss and figure it out now two thoughts on that are one is there's a, um, a tool in a book that is recommended a lot for this it's called slicing the pie or sharing the pie or something like that um, and you could google that and um, there's a methodology there that could help you walk through this and I've heard from many people that that's helpful I haven't used it myself but um, that can help people give you questions I think it's kind of a guided tour that will help you work through the issues and get everybody to think through how this should be done. The other, big, the other big thing I would suggest is to think about the time dimension. A lot of people say, okay, we're starting this. So we, there's four of us, we each get 25%. Okay, uh, I don't recommend that because somebody should actually be in charge. You need somebody should have 26%, you know, or 51%, honestly. Uh, but the other is time. The time dimension is really critical because things change. So everybody should vest over time into their ownership and you should make allowance for when people's involvement decreases or they don't hit milestones, right? People get married, people move, maybe somebody gets sick, you know, uh, maybe they get a better offer. Uh, you know, and those are all good things, much less the bad things could, could happen. So those are all things that you should think about and work into your discussions as well. Okay. Well that's kind of it for today's mastermind startup office hours. Great to see you guys. I hope that's useful. We're going to do this again a uh, month, from, Tuesday, a month from today, the next Tuesday, I want to invite you to our next Masterminds Office Hours. It's a live, not Office Hours, it's a Startup Accelerator Workshop. Go on Meetup and look for us in your town or um, go to mastermindsworkshops.com, mastermindsworkshops.com. And we'll do this live with a big group of us and it's lots of fun. And I'd be happy to help you and visit startupcouncil.com and join our email list if you want to be sure to hear from me and to hear more about this. Thanks to all of you who are going to review and share this, hopefully, to help us keep this going. I appreciate you very much, and I hope that you all have a great day. If this was useful to you, send us an email or contact me through scottfox.com. Please not through LinkedIn. I'm happy to link there, but emails are how my workflow works. I'd love to hear from you and happy to help. Thanks for watching. Hope to see you all again next month, if not sooner, on the 18th at the next Startup Accelerator Workshop. Bye now.
0: Okay, it's time for Startup Office Hours. It's Scott Fox here to talk to you today about everybody's favorite startup topic, which is raising money online in the real world. These days, mostly online, I guess. It's all Zoom. Good to see you. And we're going to talk today for half an hour or however long people want to ask questions. This is just Office Hours. It's an easy one. Um, just taking questions and offering you the benefit of my advice of 20 plus years of experience as an internet entrepreneur. A Startup founder, uh, named an angel investor, and author of a bunch of books about startups and internet, uh, making money online. I uh, which actually these in the books, there are in many languages around the world. That's probably where a lot of you know me from. And we're going to be talking today about questions that have been sent.